Good morning, Hilltop. It's so good to have you with us today. Um, if you joined us last week, you got to hear from Kadesh. And if you did not join us last week, I want to encourage, emphasize, uh, strongly encourage, <laughs> and provoke you to go back and listen to last week. Because we kind of started a conversation. Uh, we gave some context and we set a foundation that was really, really powerful. Um, and so we're kind of going to be moving forward and developing some of those thoughts today um, and kind of picking up. So I have with me today um, my friend Kadesh. Um, and so as I said, some of you saw her last week, and if not, you definitely want to go back um, and hear that. But it's so good to have you with us again, Kadesh. Thanks. I love being back. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so what we're going to do is we had a conversation uh, last week about a book that Kadesh has written, and you can find the link um, for that. We'll make sure it's posted for um, this week, um, a link to be able to find her book. And we talked about just our son's relationship. Um, uh, we both have sons that met when they were about six years old, um, and just how that relationship has flourished and grown. And just we talked about in Matthew 18 um, how Jesus uh, called us to become like children in order to um, enter the kingdom of heaven and just the call to go back to a place of simplicity and innocence and love, really. Um, and so a couple things um, last week, but in other conversations I've had with Kadesh, um, she one day on a phone call uh, had referenced and said, Bethany, I feel like this moment in time, God's just trying to bring us back to the garden. And I remember, you know, she said it, and I can sign on for that because it's Bible. So I was like, yeah. And then in my <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, there's something there. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm like, she's a little further along in this than I am. <laughs> and, um, you know, I bore witness to it, but I'm like, why are we going back to the garden? <laughs> like, and I'm like, and then I was kind of like, because, you know, we were talking about race and our sons. And I was like, what's that going to do with race? <laughs> um, but, you know, what's interesting is um, in other contexts, one of my favorite passages of scripture to teach is actually Genesis 3. Um, and part of the reason it's one of my favorite passages of scripture to teach is um, what you find is this is where Eve is being tempted by the serpent, and you actually find the progression and you actually find the understanding of the fall, but also, um, and actually, I'll just read it for us so that we can start this discussion. Um, in chapter three of Genesis, it says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? In verse 2, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So what's amazing is, number one, here, Eve was right on. Like, go Eve. <laughs> she should have stayed there. Basically, Eve at this point was in the posture of innocence of saying, God said. It was just simply that. It was God said. And she was just repeating with God, what God said. And she didn't necessarily have to have her own understanding of it. Or she didn't even, even necessarily have to agree with it. 
Um, and so this is where we see like pragmatism of pragmatism is we're going to assess the uh, the pros and the cons and all the situations, and then we'll come to a conclusion based upon that data as opposed to the simplicity of God said. God said. God said. And so what's amazing is in verse 4, it says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. So basically he's taking it off of what God said, and he's trying to get her into reasoning of like, Okay, so you're saying God said that, but now I'm going to tell you you're not going to die which God never, you know, it's all of those. So verse four, and then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In verse six, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And there we have the fall. <laughs> um, you know, and so it's, so it's funny because, you know, you made this comment about bringing us back to the garden. And I was like, uh-huh. But I was like, what's that mean? <laughs> I'm like, um, but I would love, you know, now that we've kind of shared a little bit of um, Genesis chapter 3, I would love like what was in your heart or in your thoughts or just the clarity that God's given you. I would love to hear just what you feel like God is bringing us back to in the garden and what that looks like. Yeah, um, you know, it's the idea of this concept of the original sin, right? And what really was the original sin? Like when I've been praying about matters of reconciliation and um, what it is that God really wants us to do, where, where is he trying to bring us back to? What's the posture? It's like, he's not an incomplete God, right? He's a full purposeful God. Everything is ordered. So it's like, you know, go back to the beginning. <laughs> He's like, go back to the beginning. The instructions are clear in the beginning. And when I was thinking about this matter of reconciliation and a matter of our heart response in the garden, it's like Adam and Eve were by design in alignment. <laughs> they were put together by design to function um, together, bound together, loose together. What's bound in heaven is bound in heaven. What's loosed in earth is loosed in heaven. And they were designed to be together. And the thing that separated them, so we can say it was an apple, a fruit, a tree. We can say it was a serpent, but it was this desire for Eve or this desire for ego or understanding to go beyond what God said, yeah. beyond the truth of God's greater understanding. It's like we, we have this temptation as people to, that there is more out there that God knows more than we know. Right. And the temptation is like, well, it must be pleasurable. It must be good to know what God knows. Right. And and he is maybe God is keeping us from that thing because it will separate us from God in some way, shape or form. But but we see that pursuing that 
understanding, pursuing that path is what separated us from one another. It's what separated us from God. It's what opened the, it's like all of a sudden we can now see our nakedness. We can now see our skin. We can now see our political parties. We can now see what makes us different than what God really wanted us to see, which is what made us all children of God and alike. And it's like we think that knowledge gets us closer to God, but it's grace and the spirit that gets us closer to God. And so when you function in a place like in the garden where it's your heart that is you're trying to reconcile to God, his understanding, the word of his understanding, how he makes it very plain and clear to us, then it's not about me or you, Bethany. It's not about a or B. It's not about whether I like Trader Joe's or Whole Foods. It's that, <laughs> right? It's that we both agree about what Jesus said. We both agree about the gospel. And if we can get back to that place, if we can get back to the source, to the garden, to the purest form of agreement, the way that it was designed then we can start to have real conversations about reconciliation. But it's not until we get there where our hearts are so clean, we, we have to get rid of all of the other things, then we can start to understand why Jesus came and why, why he you know, was on the cross and what it really means to reconcile to one another in the purest form, in the original state, before we were trying to pursue a greater knowledge. I mean, we can get all the knowledge we want, and, and that's what makes it so illogical, is that because we're so logical, because we have all the interpretation, well, we're going to interpret it this way, it should go down this way, because of this, that said, and these people are saying this and that, but it's like, but really, what's God saying? I mean, I could read anything all day. I could be, I could become a PhD at whatever it is because knowledge and resources are infinite. But is my heart PhD <laughs> where God wants it to be? And that has, that's a challenging place to be. Like, how do you strip yourself of all of that and get back to a place where I'm not even looking at myself as, a, as Kadesh or, or you as Bethany, but what does God want for me and what does God want for you? Because it's the same thing. <laughs> he wants the same thing for you and I. That's a part of his promise. That's a part of what his word says. That's a part of his guarantee for us is that he would go after you, the one, me, the one, the same way and leave the 99. He'd go after me because I matter the same way you matter. Amen. You know, in the midst of conversation that you and I were having, I think we were just talking about like kind of the dividedness of our nation right now and just the hostility. Um, you had made the comment, um, and I don't even remember specifically what we were referencing, but I just remember it so struck me because you in the midst of a conversation had said, my question always is, um, in the midst of this conversation, where is the cross? And, and looking at things in light of the cross. And so it sounds as though that's almost like your frame of reference of how you're you know, navigating emotions, navigating perceptions, navigating responses is through the lens of the cross. And so like, what does that look like practically? You know, uh, it's when we were talking, 
and we were talking about Matthew 18 in the context of the book, um, Jesus gives us the, the one, two, three step in Matthew 18 on how to reconcile. He gives us, the, and I'm not trying to simplify this, but as I started reading deeper into Matthew 18, I'm like, whoa, God gave us the, Jesus is like one, two, three, four. And that's how I've been approaching every conversation and every uh, matter. You know, I'm in a blended family a very complex structure. I'm in a complex structure in my work. I'm the head of human resources, which makes it complex from a political standpoint. I mean, I, I mean, like it gets very complex. And when you look at Matthew 18, Jesus says, he starts with the, you know, talks about the children, be like children. Then he says, well, if you want to reconcile, this is what you do. First, you reconcile, and this is Matthew 18, 10 through 20. So he says, you know, first, go to your brother in private. Yeah, you have a beef? You have some issue? Okay, Bethany, listen, okay? I know you like Trader Joe's, but I like Whole Foods. This is something that we can talk about in private together where maybe... Maybe we can go shopping together. Okay. All right. <laughs> Is it okay? And then, okay. So you're, we talk about it. You, you understand that my heart for you is not to convince you to be a shopper of the store that I want you to go to. It's not to convince you to buy what I want to buy, but for you to have a greater understanding of why it means what it means to me. And because you love me like your sister, you're going to give me that time. You're going to sit with me. Okay. And then Jesus says, well, guess what? Maybe... Bethany's like, no, Kadesh, I don't even want to hear it. I'm not going to eat that. Okay, I'm not going to eat it. And then he says, okay, well, then get two or three witnesses. So get two or three people that you serve in community together to sit and hear you all because they are in community with you. So you all should have the same understanding on what it means to function as a community. So get them together and then goes to the point of the church. And he says, if it doesn't work with the two or three gathered, then go to the church. And this is the point I was trying to make. It's like, I keep hearing and I've been hearing and, you know, as a Christian professional, as a Christian mom, as a Christian, whatever, I keep hearing uh, people ha have come to me all that, well, where's the church? What's the church doing about this? There's this kind of church and that kind of church. The church seems divided. The church is this, the church is that. And Jesus says, well, if it doesn't work, in the church, he specifically says it. He says, if you can't reconcile it in the church, he says, do what I would do with the tax collectors and the pagans. And what did he do? He sat with them. Jesus went back to the beginning. He, he never gave up. He never lost hope that if I could just sit with them, if I could just talk with them, if, if they can understand my heart of goodness for them, that I want them to have life and life more abundantly, then maybe, maybe they would understand. But he never said, I'm going to be violent towards them. He never said, um, do what I said you you do or X, Y, Z. He just said, hear me, listen to me. I want to sit and I want to break bread. And it goes back to the one, leaving the 99 for the one, is that if we just stay together in this place, if, if, if we could just 
like Bethany, you and I were moms, if we could just, we could just talk with one another, if we could just please sit at the same table with each other and, and understand that if we go deeper into the understanding of God and his heart for us, then we, we must be reconciled eventually. Now, I'm not saying that we may see that today. I'm not saying that this is something that we're going to solve right now. This is, this is, this is years and years of historical oppression, years and years of, of differences, years and years of interpretation on the church and what God wants us to do. But if, if we move away from hope in our brother and sister, and if we move away from the practicality of what Jesus said we should do, then we have in fact lost, um, lost each other in, in the process. And so he says, listen, try to resolve it. But if you can't, just sit down and have dinner together. And I don't mean to be simplistic, right? He's like, but, but just don't give up. Don't give up. And, and some people will have you and some people won't. But it's not for you to try to evaluate, elaborate, understand, condemn. He's just saying, give them grace. Give them the same grace that God gives you. The same grace God gives you in the fall. The same way he said, Adam, Eve, where are you guys? I still am looking for you. <laughs> okay, I, I still love you, right? I, I just think, you know, the posture of entering into that process is like, we just try to find agreement in grace. It just, it's, the posture is to stick, stick to it. You know, I, I cannot leave you, Bethany. You cannot leave me in this. I cannot say that you are not for me. I cannot say that this person is not for me. If we are both for the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are for each other. And we just have to, we have to keep sticking to it. It's the, it's the plan of the enemy to do like in the garden, to separate, okay? To, to make you think, Bethany, that you know more about the Bible than I know. So I have to be separated because the principles that you're practicing are different than the principles that I'm practicing. So you separate me from you. You separate us from the conversation. We can never reconcile if I'm not talking to you, if you're not talking to me. If we don't get to a place of a greater understanding in Christ, that's the plan. That's the true attack. It's greater than, it's greater than these societal and cultural symbols. It is the spirit of God that is the symbol. It's the spirit of God and, and how we get back there. And I know that sounds ultra spiritual relative to the challenges that we have, but I just feel like that that's where God in our hearts. We just can't leave the table. Like we, we can't stop talking to each other. Well, so, so powerful when you say the phrase that we can't lose hope in one another. You know, it's almost that place of giving up. And, and all of us know, like aside from racial issues, like anybody that's married <laughs> knows that you come to impasses where you're either choosing to shut down your heart and withdraw, and that's the beginning of closing down relationship, or you just choose to keep your heart open and to remain in hope and, and hope in the other person and believe the best. And, you know, but it's powerful. And even when you talked about grace, you know, just the posture of grace, which that in and of itself is such a kingdom mindset as opposed to 
the alternate, which is judgment and condemnation and accusation and all those things. Um, so finally, um, you know, there was another comment that you made, which is like another one of those comments that I don't think I fully get. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm desperately trying. Um, you know, and I think this uh, part of the reason this was intriguing to me is because I don't actually know, like, Daryl and I don't have like a great plan. Like we're not like, this is how we're gonna move our church into greater health or to greater relational equity. Or, you know, we don't have like a A, B, C, D. We're just kind of walking it out every day, doing the best we can to remain open and vulnerable, have conversations, learn, listen, grow, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, but you had said, you know, I was mentioning to you as far as the church and kind of like, what does the church need? Like, how does the church need to grow? And I definitely don't think I understand fully. And I'd love for you to like develop it and, and give more insight. But you had said, you know, I, I think right now the church is focusing on identity, wherein they should be focusing on reconciliation. So what would be, I mean, I understand in concept what identity is, like clearly, but like as it relates to kind of where we are at as a culture and as a society, like what do you see the distinguishing factors and what does it look like for us to move towards reconciliation? Like what are the practical steps of how we get there? You know, um, it's, it's very interesting when you think about um, identity in the condition of the church because we talk about identity in in terms of identity with Christ, right? So um, how we have fullness of identity in Jesus Christ in walking according to what Jesus did and how Jesus would walk and we have to have identity in that way and that's how we should reconcile. But then it's like, but then you put us in the world, <laughs> okay? You put us in the world and you see everything that's happening on the media. You see everything that is happening um, in our culture, in our society. And it's like, well, how can I separate myself again from myself? All right. I cannot take away from the fact that I am an immigrant uh, daughter of two parents that came to the United States and I'm a woman of color and I have sons of color and a blended family and then a husband who's Irish. I, I, I cannot separate from the conditions of that, but that doesn't mean that it separates me from you. Mm -hmm. Okay. It doesn't mean that because you and I may not see the same lens around our belief systems with politics or around our belief systems with, um, let's say homeschool, everybody has to homeschool now, but basically what are we homeschooling our kids or, you know, are, are our kids going to school? And I know that the injustices and the equalities are, get much more complex as we get higher, but it, it means again, that we are still having conversations and assuming that because we both follow the gospel of Jesus Christ, that our identities and our intentions for one another are good. That even though there might be an area where we may not agree, that doesn't mean that I walk away from you and I leave you there saying you're hopeless. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that I can do except for walking away from this person or walking away from this church or walking away from this gospel or walking away from this country. I can't tell you the amount of times I'm like, let's move to Canada. <laughs> but it's like... <laughs> 
right? But you can move me geographically, right? But my spirit and the spirit of God doesn't, it's, it's omniscient, it's everywhere. So, it, you know, it really doesn't matter. But, the, you know, I think what I can say about what, you know, Hilltop is doing is the posture of grace. It's allowing, you have to let everyone in the conversation you have to allow everyone to 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 feel like they in some ways can say hey this is where my heart is and my heart is broken for this matter um can you hear me can we sit together and talk about why this is it's so it's getting a shared understanding of what makes kadesh kadesh right why do i feel so passionate about boys in relationship with boys is because I have five brothers and no sisters. And when we start talking, Bethany, when we start understanding the dynamics of, you know, like, well, your mom, Bethany, does deliverance as a ministry. Why is deliverance so important to you? If I don't know that about you as my sister, then I may formulate impressions. I may use knowledge and my ego to say, well, Bethany must believe this or Bethany must respond in this way. Um, because I'm not having those conversations. And so I just put it this way, like we are the church, you, me, Josh, Adani, are, are, we make up the church. And I understand that the church itself is an entity. It is a, a powerful dynamic entity. But when each of our individual um, selves come together when when the you know two walk together in agreement it says jesus says that whatever we bind together mm -hmm. right wh whether it's justice or belief on how we move forward a particular thing it's bound on earth together i can't do that alone and he says in his name and whatever we lose together so you have to remember just like the church itself walking away from it, acting like it doesn't exist, exempting some from the conversation, including some from the con conversation is completely opposite of what the posture is and the posture of the church is, can I, can I talk with you? Can I, can I sit with you like a tax collector, like someone that's saved, like someone that's not saved? Can, can we get to a place where I'm even just hearing you and understanding you. And I'm, I know in my heart that your intentions for me are good, even though we may not agree on this point at the moment, because Christ wants us to be reconciled. That's the church he's coming for, okay? So if, if, we're, if we're trying to, Jesus is coming back for this kind of church, we have to get to reconciliation. And he's coming for, for for us in that way, but we can't leave the table. And the process again of agreement is just finding grace for one another. So, you know, you guys are, you know, every church, every leader, every pastor, it's, it's not an easy posture to be in, okay? And no one has the answer to grace, no one. <laughs> you don't have the answer, I don't have the answer. But if we keep trying to go at it together, if I keep walking with you, Bethany, I know that we can get to a space of reconciliation and understanding, um, but we can't be, you know, well, you don't love me because X, Y, Z, or you don't like my food, so I'm not inviting you over. You know what I mean? Like, we just have to keep, we have to keep going. <laughs> we have to keep going with one another. Um, 
So it's not an easy uh, process, Bethany. Um, what I've found that has been very helpful is uh, these kind of small group conversations. Yeah. Just and and I don't mean on top political topics <laughs> or on why we don't agree, but small group conversations where you know we're talking about where I grew up and where you grew up. And then, or why I see God the way I see God, or why you see God the way you see God. And from those small group conversations, I found some of the richest connections. Mm -hmm. Because then we see that maybe we're more alike than we think. Maybe we're trying to get to the same place, but how we're getting there may be different, right? Um, but it can't happen without active conversations um, continuously. I'm not saying to not address the major issues. I'm saying that if we start with our souls and start with identity, that we are gonna get to those things. Right. We're right. gonna get to those things. Right. And it's interesting, because I think like you were saying, um, that lots of times it's the more exterior things that sometimes can divide us, meaning kind of more of the, um, just the fruit of our lives. But oftentimes when you really do sit in conversation, like, and I'll just use like, if anybody is a sincere believer in Jesus Christ, they will agree together that it is our job as believers to care for the poor. But then as you flesh it out, people may have distinct views on how you go about caring for the poor. And so, and what I've realized is oftentimes at the very, very heart in the root, there really is agreement Oftentimes there's just disagreement in how we carry out or accomplish or, you know, like th those kind of things. And so and not that they're small details, but it's kind of like if you can find the point of agreement, um, which like you've said, you know, it's really in light of the cross, you know, that if we claim to be believers that we should be able to kind of find agreement around the cross of Jesus Christ and that place. But I have loved having you here with us. We'll definitely have to plan more times. Yes. <laughs> Do like a, yeah. mo a mom's corner, like a... <laughs> I love the, the mother's corner, right? <laughs> It's so good. But would you mind closing us in prayer? Oh, absolutely. We're asking for that kind of spirit to enter into our midst, God, to enter into our churches, our schools, our streets, Father God, our capital, Father God, our nation, our world, Lord. Can you just flood us, God, with more of your spirit? Can you flood us, God, with more of who you are, Lord? Lord, our posture is just to be more like you. Our posture, Father God, is to just have your spirit enter in, God. We know we don't have all the answers, Lord. We're not trying to figure it out, God. We're not trying to say that we're the experts in this. Lord, we are seeking your expertise. We are seeking the PhDs from heaven. We are seeking your plans, God, through your word. We just want it to open up to us and to be revealed to us in a way, Lord, that we walk with our brothers and sisters in love, Christ, that we walk with our brothers and sisters understanding that their heart for us is good, God. We're asking for that kind of presence in this hour. We're asking for that kind of spirit in this hour, and God, we bind the spirit of destruction. We bind the 
spirit of separation. We move those things, Father God, out of the way and off the table, Lord, as we sit and commune with one another, as we sit and design and dine with one another. We thank you, God. We thank you that more people, God, will show up to the table, that more people will understand you, Father, will want to understand the heart of love, God, that you left for us, Lord. Give us more of that spirit, Father God. Hmm. Enter in, God. Give us more of that spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Kadesh. It was so good having you with us. Thanks for having me yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I'll text you. We can talk this week. Love so you. Thank you. And Hilltop, thanks for joining in on the conversation today. Um, and like I said earlier, I just really want to encourage you, if you missed last week, to go back and um, kind of hear the progression of the conversation that we had. So this week, um, get involved with community, get involved in relationship, get involved with serving one another, and get your nose in the word. <laughs> so we love you, and we hope to see you soon.